on this episode, NBA and human superstar Kevin Love joins us. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey everybody, this is Gary Vaynerchuk and this is episode 318 of the Ask Gary V Show and this is an episode I've been waiting for for a long, long time. Not only do I admire this man for what he does in his profession, but watching him evolve the words that come out of his mouth over the last two to three years has been inspiring to me. It's really endeared me to him. I've really enjoyed uh, the tons of banter over the last 18 months we've done on DM. I super love dapping him up on the court in the garden. <laughs> I was hoping you here. were gonna uh, um, to drop that. And, then, that you know, and, that, and he also like guaranteed that they were gonna win and everything was okay with two minutes to go and then that's what happened. I've just been watching him a lot, admire him, love a lot about him and looking forward to getting to know him much more on my personal level but wanted to give him the platform uh, and the opportunity, you know, I got really excited the other day with somebody else I like a lot and we didn't get the phone calls. I promise I'm gonna stay very committed. We will get the calls in. So if you're watching right now on uh, on Instagram, we're gonna take the, call, the numbers from YouTube and Facebook. YouTube, Facebook, if you got a question for Kevin Love, who is our guest today, uh, extraordinary MBA talent but unbelievably exciting emerging voice for many things that I'm passionate about in society is our guest. If you have questions for him about anything that we talk about, please put your phone number and a little bit of a preview of your question. Andy will be picking them. Put it into YouTube or uh, Facebook. I know Instagram, I know you guys are watching and I know that's where most people are watching. So uh, I highly recommend you switching over to Facebook and YouTube for your questions if you are passionate enough. Kev. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming. It's super long time coming. Before yeah. we get into anything else, I love origin stories like comic book number sure. one. Spit the three or four minutes of like who you are. Who am I? Well, I grew up in a basketball family. I heard you talking about your son, six yes. years old. Uh, the ball was placed in my hand at a very early age. I had a father who came from Inglewood, California, went to Morningside High School. Um, you know, Byron Scott, Lisa Leslie. Um, Went to the University of Oregon, played in the league for five years, uh, was around my uncle who was in rock and roll, Mike Love of the Beach Boys, so he had a little bit of, he got to play for the LA Lakers, and then in the summertime, he got to travel around with the Beach Boys. But best life ever. Best life ever. That's probably why I only, years did he he only lasted like four or five years, but that was probably, yeah, Boys, exactly, exactly. But he was Wait, before his years? time. He was, uh, I think it was 71, he was drafted ninth by the, ninth by the Baltimore Bullets. Yeah, and actually on his draft card, it said, good jumper for a white guy. I, <laughs> no way. I didn't have that. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. That wouldn't wait, wait. be. 71 to the Bulls, that was big time teams. That was a big time, West Unsell, yep. my middle name. The West Pearl. Un- is uh, Wesley, yep. after West Unsell. Yep, cool. Earl the Pearl, exactly. Uh, and then he played on, I mean, he played with, uh, I'm trying to think on the Lakers, Connie Hawkins, Gail Goodrich, Elmore Smith, blocked 17 shots in a game. By the way, uh, Connie Hawkins, I'm just, you know, I like to interrupt, so let's get used to it. Like, yeah. Connie Hawkins is one of the most interesting all-time basketball players Ever. in my opinion. Well, his story, we want to talk about origin stories. Blackballed from league for gambling. Insane. Dr. J basically co-signs him as like I'm Dr. J because yeah. of Connie Hawkins. No, he was he was basically MJ or, or or Dr. J before those guys. I mean, he was a guy. My dad used to tell me he would pick it off the ground, either hand, go up, and it was. I mean, just put it down. He was anyway, yeah, so, unbelievable. So it was like it was, it was destiny from the get for you. Pretty much, yeah. Like I said, the ball and did was you love it. Or always did you loved learn it. To always loved and it. I was the kid. I remember telling my my, my best friend's dad. He likes to uh, tell the story. C- tell the story of, of me coming back from my first day. We live right across the street from each other, um, and he would say, "You know, what do you want to be when you grow up?" And I said, "I'm gonna be in the NBA." You know, it was just so matter of fact that uh, you know I taught myself, or I, I really spoke it into but existence. He, but he, as a dad, 
didn't laugh at that the same way, given the DNA, right? Given the DNA. Yeah. And he was around those uh, teams when we were young in Portland where it was Rick Adelman was the coach yep. and it was Terry Porter. The Duck. The Duck. Oh, yeah. the Duck was the duck a, a monster. It was only, yeah, for Cliff sure. Cliff Robinson is a Cliff rookie Robinson, from UConn. Yep, Terry Porter. You have to understand why I know those teams so well. So literally the human that I hate the most on earth is Michael Jordan. Like, number one. <laughs> number one on my list. Brady's a close second. Sure. Um, and that's completely predicated on my Jets, Knicks Yeah, I was gonna and say, And like, yeah. I don't understand Nick fans in their 40s that like MJ, I right. really don't. I genuinely don't. Right. I don't understand it. I tormented so like, you guys for yeah, years like, over there. I, I don't mean, understand it. Like, respect is different. Right. Please let there be no confusion. I understand who the player was. Mm -hmm. But like, fuck that. Right. So, you don't know how much I love those Pistons, I mean, excuse me, those those Blazer teams because I prayed to God that they could figure oh, out yeah, how to beat them. Oh yeah, in the finals yeah. and yeah, all those times they faced them, but it's interesting to me, you talk about MJ, like how, same thing with Braun, like what guys would have taken that next step See, the funny thing to is be the guy. Well, it's funny, it's funny, and obviously you played with him, like I love Braun, mainly because the day he, I heard of him when he was like fucking 16, immediately, no different than Felipe Lopez, which went in a different direction, sure. or anybody else that even begins a conversation of a chance to be better than MJ, like my heart and soul, I've never, when you guys won that title, like I, I hate every team but mine, Sure. But that win against Golden State was probably the most excited I've been for any other team but mine because I knew that it would add momentum to getting the debate with LeBron and oh, MJ. Sure. I knew how big of a historic win that would be for the debate. Yeah, and it was unprecedented. I mean, I can remember, speaking of stories, uh, I can remember we were in Oakland. We went to their practice facility, the Golden State Warriors, and it was the one, you know, Clay had start, Thompson had started talking about how they were better than the Showtime Lakers. And yeah, I remember. you know, that was kind of a shot of, at his dad as well. I, I, remember, I, gr I, remember, I grew yes, up with Clay. Yes. So we're going over the uh, the Bay Bridge and that commentary is just still picking up. It's on mm -hmm. Twitter, it's on Instagram, mm -hmm. it's on all these social sports platforms. Yep. Oh, sports radio, everything. And that's when Bron just said, he looked around and goes, you know what guys, this is, it's written. We're gonna win tomorrow night. We're gonna have a huge game. It's gonna be tough. Yeah. It's gonna come down to the last few minutes. We're not losing at home. Game seven, anything can happen. That's how it played out. It's crazy. It still gives me chills thinking about it. The crazy part, back, we're gonna bounce back high level, but we're super narrow. I had to go to Cannes in France, which is the big market. It's like the Super Bowl for marketing companies. I was on the flight to, uh, to Cannes during that game seven, and literally, my, for some reason, everybody went on Wi-Fi, but for some reason, my phone because I don't have a laptop. Sure. Like my phone was getting the update play by play on ESPN faster by like a tenth of a second than everybody else around me. And everybody was like, and it's overnight. And you gotta get sleep because the next day in France sure. it's the next day and you gotta go. No. Nobody's sleeping. There's nothing like sports. And I'm you gotta like watch that. literally like standing like like it was insane to play that whole fourth quarter on your phone, getting update by update by update. And by the way, a lot of the people that go to Cannes are from San Francisco, <coughs> the tech companies and all that. Sure. By the way, on the record, 98% of Warrior fans are straight fucking bandwagon. Big shout out to Jim Lanzone from CBS Interactive. <laughs> You're the one true fucking Warriors fan that I know. All you fuckers at Facebook and Google and Uber, you motherfuckers didn't even know Golden State was in San Francisco right. a decade ago. I was there, fuck you. And you don't know if, if Mitch Richmond took a <laughs> shit on your face, you wouldn't know who he was. So get the fuck out of here with your bullshit you, you, bandwagon fandom. You're raising a little Chris Mullen too, so. Yeah, man, dude. They don't know fucking Tim Hardaway, Chris Mullen. No, they don't know no. Rick they don't know Weber. anything about yeah. that shit. So anyway, a little yeah. a little pent up Nick's anger yeah. to start this show. Kev, go way back. So you're playing 
and you're just good always or no? Always good. Always good. I, you know, I, it was, I, <laughs> I mean, and I was always, I was always big. I mean, we yeah. talked about it before we came on. Like size I was, matters in basketball. I was a big kid. Yeah, size yeah. matter. But I always had the skill. Like my dad had the foresight to know where the game was going. He put the ball in my hands, wanted me to play all five positions, but he also wanted me to shoot from deep. Yeah, like I think my dad was ahead of his time. He was, he was, uh, well, he is six nine, and he was about two hundred and ten pounds, two hundred and five pounds. I was, you know, six nine, two eighty at one point, and uh, no, he was he was really ahead of his time. What was but your he could tell. Food? Say it again. Like when you were fat, right? Which was like. See, I, I was just the glutton for the sake of being a glutton. It was. It wasn't like I had anything in particular. Did you want to tilt the other way and say like all these people think I'm out of shape? I'm just gonna go even worse and still ball on them. Yeah, I actually, believe that. I actually understand that. After so, I was. Uh, I was my hot take on this whole issue. Naismith actually was uh, a little subtle brag here, not so subtle. Is I was national athlete of the year, my senior year. Yeah, and if you looked at me, humble, it would just. Stun you. It would stun you. Yeah. You would look and be like, this guy? I wish social media was further along back then because oh, I think yeah. you would have made some ridiculous content. Like squeezing 100%. your gut and like just doing oh, dumb yeah. like 15 year old shit. For sure. Yeah. Because I have no shame in that stuff. Like yeah, especially exactly. now you talk about uh, and then we'll, well get into way, it. Then. I apologize, but that's where we're about to go. Like yeah. I think some of the things you're talking about, like when you started talking about mental health issues and other things you've talked about, like yeah. when I watch you from afar, I'm like that's really good parenting really good DNA and really good circumstance because that kid is not insecure. Well, we not have insecure, well that's right. That's the manifestation of it. Sure. So like there's the things back to your weight maybe you weren't insecure about that people thought. Yeah. Clearly there were things you were insecure about. We yes. all are. For sure. But this is the manifestation of you evolving to closing the gaps in certain parts of your insecurity. Yeah. And you're so susceptible to change early on. That's why I think with anything mental health related whether it be you know, because I have a saying, you know, kill the body and the, the mind dies. Like so many kids early on now are just killing their bodies just to the extent of, I mean, you're seeing more. To look good, to be a good athlete, to have like ripped, like all the weird shit you see. Everything, like a it transcends. A yeah, no, it's really crazy. Kids are, are picking up weights earlier on, the, the yes. load on their body. They're specializing in sport earlier on. And I have no problem with that. I played basketball and baseball. There came a point in time where my dad was like, okay. Yeah, you're, but you're, now, you're gonna like, be what, Randy Johnson? You're now, not left-handed, you don't have a mullet. You know, you, it's just not gonna be way, you. I think you could fucking rock a good mullet. I could mullet. fucking rock a good mullet. And I would be like a David Wells where I'd probably pitch hungover and do a perfect game, <laughs> you know? Like, and I'd be in a Yankee uniform and that would be incredible. But, but to your point, right? Like how, you know, one, literally I said this, I spoke to the Rutgers football team uh, this morning and one of the things I was talking to one of the coaches on the way out is, literally this is not a joke and this is gonna be really meta. I've been thinking a lot about like, this question I get asked a lot, which is like, what business, if I, like, much like I started VaynerMedia when I was done with the wine thing, and like just literally started at scratch, and it was left field for me to build this coming from the wine world, yeah. what business would I start? And I can't stop thinking about this one thing. The number one business as of this moment that I would start in the world is something in youth athletics because the utter delusion oh, it's of every at an parent. all-time high. I, the, that, 99.9% .9 of parents that are listening to this podcast right now are so fucking delusional that they yeah. think their kid is going to the league when they have no prayer. Like, America, your kid is not playing shortstop in baseball. Pay attention. <laughs> like, what is the matter with you? Sure. Like, literally, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna build a fucking billion dollar business exploiting the fact that people are taking kids that will never play college sports yeah. and training them like they're gonna be fucking LeBron. Right. Delusion. Delusion. And that's why a lot of kids are going too early to one sport because their mom and dad are saying, if you want to get to the league, we need to decide now. And instead of kids being happy and yep. well-rounded, their parents are fucking 
brainwashing them that they're gonna be on the fucking World Cup soccer team, but they have to give up football, basketball, Fortnite, happiness, and fucking everything else. Meanwhile, that kid sucks. <laughs> no, really, and I mean it. I wanna use sucks, because I'm hoping one parent listens and like, actually, you know what? That might be true. Yeah. No, I have no problem with saying that. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm tired of all these participation trophies, people, you know, families that think their, their kids are that good. Listen, I, I believe that youth sports is a great way to, to transition into uh, life. life because it teaches you people skills. It teaches you either how to be a leader or a follower or being able to follow, then yeah. turning into many different things. Yeah. And it segues you into different, really a lot Adversity. of different- ven- Sports is good because you lose. It, it's, it teaches you a number of things. fuck up sports in America by not letting kids lose. Exactly. And it's, it's terrible. I was just at the Aspen Ideas Conference and we had talked about that. There was a lot of, lot of scowls out there and I imagine those are the parents that oh. are the ones that you're talking about. I went, to, I went to Brilliant Minds in Stockholm. It was super fancy. Yeah. And I went out there and gave a 10 minute straight from the hip first time talk around entitlement and let me promise you what went through everybody's mind. Yeah. I suck. Because you can't over, the, because we're raising zoo animals. Right. Like listen, I wish I was in the league. You think I want to sit courtside and watch you? I want to fucking play. But self-awareness kicked in. I would foul the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, and I would have fouled, I would like, put I'm you the on weirdest. The ground. Yeah. I actually would, like. I would I'm, turn into Oak I'm, and I'm, I would just. I'm 94 Knicks now. Like, like, there's guys that play with me here. Like, I'm trying to hurt people in pickup, hurt. Yeah. Now. Yeah. My own employees and friends. Like, every, like me, me and AJ, my brother, can't play on the same team in right. our pickup games anymore. Yeah. Because within the first 30 seconds, everyone's on tilt. So you basically created your own Jordan rules for the people that you work with? They yeah, come in the pay, the way, they're getting put on the ground. Let's educate the youngsters. Like, you know, want to remind everybody oh, about Oh, I'm sorry, patients. I don't know the demographic. I'm assuming yeah, like, it's... No, it skews all over the yeah, place, yeah. but a lot of young people watch me have no idea that Jordan often was positioned in the mid to eight, late 80s as yeah. never having a chance to win a championship, yeah. never going to get through the Pistons. Look at who he had to go through, hog, exactly. This and that. And like literally some of my last enjoyable moments was watching like clotheslining Jordan... <laughs> you know, piston sweep. Like, I love that they walk. I know that they get shit on for walking off after the Bulls finally got through them. Sure. I love it. Fuck him. Let him have no enjoyment. Yeah. Anyway, nonetheless, let's not get sidetracked too much. Let's, we've been alluding to it. Obviously, you, you have this great career. You t- let's talk about for five seconds your recruitment to where you played college ball. Sure. Because I have a really funny story that I think I might have once told you on DM or a call. I don't know if I've gone to a significant college basketball game in the last 15 years. It's just the nature of how busy I am. But ironically, Omid Ashtari, I hope you're listening or watching right now, Omid, real good friend of mine who worked at CAA, took me to a UCLA game. Like somehow, in this one weird window, I went to a game. And it was your freshman year. Wow. And I remember like watching- Who watch were we it. playing? I don't recall, I don't wanna okay. bullshit it. But, uh, but I just recall like, the three, three of you were standing out to me. Yeah. You know, Collison and, and Russ. And, and, I, and I remember like, that, like, he was super pumped. He's like, these fucking yeah. freshmen, they're gonna be fucking awesome, they're gonna make a real run in the tournament. I, because I'm so busy, get, like I, the one thing I mandate at VaynerMedia is that every employee fills out a bracket for March Madness and then the winner gets a huge prize. It's like a company-wide thing. I'm fucking crazy about it. But I'm so busy, I'm, I'm headline reading for my picks. 
and I remember that Omid brainwashed me about you and your crew, so I had you guys going super fucking far, like yeah. I think I had you losing in the finals, so I was super pissed when you guys underperformed, so there's that. However, let's talk about how you got to UCLA. Like, were, was it always them? Was there like always, always them? Did something weird happen? Mm. I'm fascinated by the recruiting. So process. yeah, you go back to the origin story here to back up. My dad actually played at Morningside High School. Jim Herrick, the great Jim Herrick was his assistant coach cool. at Morningside High School. So they would play one-on-one, yeah, they go yeah, back yeah. and forth. And um, you know, then those great teams like the 95 National Championship team. Yep. The O'Bannon brothers, Ty Sedney with what, 4.8 seconds uh, to get to the final four. So. Uh, UCLA was, it the following was year always. When they lost to Princeton or the year before? I'm confused. I think I, I'm not. I'm not certain. All no. I remember is I picked Princeton in my bracket and they stunned them. Yeah. And like I was a hero. You for were the guy. Campus. Yeah. Just yeah. Me. That's like the Richmond Spiders upset that I picked against Cuse my yep. freshman year of high school. I wrote it on the blackboard before every class. I mean, Cuse always finds a way. Jim, Jim <laughs> Beheim. They always. Yeah. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. The. Uh, so you were always destined to go there. I feel like I was. I mean, Oregon was always in my backyard. I always you always considered I, it a little bit. Always and Nike. I mean, it was just like yeah, Phil yeah, Knight. Yeah. I live everything. If you're from Oregon, but it's from everything. From a pedigree standpoint, unlike football. And my dad went to University of Oregon, so that so was, was I grew up going to the football games. I grew so up going to those games. It was close between uh, North Carolina, where it was Roy Williams, and they had just come off winning uh, a national championship a couple years prior. Was that a part of you doing shit like, hey, it might be cool to be on the East Coast, I've always been a West Coast kid? And it was the Duke and UNC rivalry. You get into it that? was, yeah, the ACC was, of course, uh, you know, still, unbelievable. But, you know, UCLA had been to two straight Final Fours at the time. Ben Hallen was, yep. uh, you know, very good at teaching his guys and have, having his guys go to the next level and have success. And I think that continued. Remind me, remind me where we were in the high school, coming straight out of high school versus two years removed. From so I think you were what two thousand five right? was the so last you had year. To go to school. Had to go, but I probably would, would have gone out. You would yes. have flat yes. out. Flat out. Did you fundamentally know you were going to be one and done? Yes. No. Always no. Yeah, it was no secret. So they came down to UCLA and. North Carolina, and finally Kerry Keating, uh, who was assistant coach there at the time, um, still heavily involved um, in uh, California, not only athletics, but basketball as well. He just said, you know, are we doing this? I remember I was at a tournament in Vegas where they have, you know, the 500 teams. He just went in for the kill. You play five, t- five the, games yeah. on fucking Sunday right to win. Yeah, he found the right moment. I was like, okay, you got me. Committed to UCLA, ended up going, that was uh, my rising senior year, ended up going to UCLA and uh, you know, made best friends with Russell Westbrook, and we just talked about how we were going to the NBA every single day. So cool. Yeah. And you guys did. And, and you we did, know. and they were four and five pick. Pretty cool. Very, very and we were roommates. Cool. It's real cool. Yeah. Real cool. So what's the, you know, just as a random question, because I really want to get into some of the off-the-court stuff, what was the biggest surprise of, you had a dad that was in the league, you're groomed for this, you know, the pedigree, it's fucking 24-7, even when it wasn't, it's running in the background. What was the biggest surprise? There is nothing you can do to prepare for... The speed? The speed, the grind, but playing against, in Texas, against Dirk or Tim Duncan, flying back home on a back-to-back in Minnesota and playing KG in the Boston Celtics. And there's just nothing you can do. You're playing two games a week in college. 
right. in the tournament, you're playing, you know, Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, Sunday, and then you wait till the next week and then you go to the, you know, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four. Right. So not only is it the volume and speed of which the games come at you, it's you're also playing against the best talent. fucking players in the and world. And we, we had so, I mean, we had lottery picks. We had, you know, guys that were first rounders, guys yeah. that have huge success in the league in the Pac-10 at the time, Pac-12 now, but there's nothing you can do to emulate that. I played... Dirk and yeah, Tim Duncan within the first five games of my career. Tony Parker put up 55 points on us. <laughs> I'm like, this is the NBA. So I got, right, I got meanwhile, blindsided. You're like five minutes away from playing like a video game with Tony Parker. And like, he's not that hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, I'm playing, yeah, that's what we did is <laughs> we, we played video games all the time in our locker room at UCLA. And we're like, you know, yeah, of like I'm gonna pick, uh, you know, Braun and okay, I'm gonna pick, you know, the Lakers, I'm gonna be Kobe and everything. Then you then you get there and it's like, okay, Kobe's putting 40 on us every single time. And there's nothing you could do. He'll tell you right straight to your face. He goes, you guys don't have a chance tonight. It's, who, fr it's Friday was, night, and I'm the show. Who's I'm, I'm going out? Who's after. who's uh who's the one player that you like warm? You know, tucking in, you're checking in, you get on the court, and then you actually see him, and it was like actually the biggest response you had. Whether it was something funny and inside joke because you remember being at a camp, or whether it was Kobe, and you're like, fuck, this is actually Kobe. It's Kobe. Not 100. percent Yeah, Kobe. Because there's just, I mean, I've. And this is no disrespect to Braun because he he brings them out too, and he there's that energy in the gym. Course, and you're getting everybody's you best there. game. Yeah. Your whole mindset shifts too when you become a you get on a, a team like that. I mean, we were a super team, and we were a team that was expected to go to the finals, expected to have the potential yeah, to win a championship. Yeah. But when I first got into the league, Kobe Bryant, it didn't matter if it was a a soft Tuesday <laughs> in Minneapolis. Kobe's bringing them out. I mean, there's a there's a buzz in the city that Kobe is there. Yeah, and like and like the worst part, which I still want to punch every person in the building when I'm there. Like, Kobe drops the first bucket. It's two nothing Lakers right. at Minnesota, and 73% of the audience is cheering. Oh no, it was. A, this by is the way, why I'm oh, and there's a it's a Minneapolis Lakers. It's a home game for. Them, but yeah. I mean, it's like everywhere they went. This is why it's great that I ended up being a fucking professional athlete because like at two nothing when Kobe hits that <laughs> jump shot, I'm like running da back down the court like trying to argue with fans like, fuck yeah. you, leave. Right. I hate visiting fans. When I go to visiting games as a Jets fan, I don't say a word. I'm trying to think of who you would, who you would, what, what's like looking in a mirror for you in like this Ron league today? Like Ron Artest meets, like whatever the worst things that have ever happened in sports, Yeah. that. That, okay. Because, because I'm willing, like it gets so So you were so like painful. a, uh, speaking of Randy Johnson in the Seattle Mar like you were like a Lou Pinella. You take out the bass and you I, throw yes, the shit. I get to, it, not you're, in life, what's in the, crazy is not in life, in business, People like steal a million dollars from me. I'm like, Phew. and that's why I have to be careful to not project. Maybe what I hate about being a fan is I'm not in control. You know, sure. like in, yeah. like when I'm in control, like the CEO of this company, everything bad, easy. Maybe I'm just frustrated as a fan, like fuck, like, you know, like, right? Like maybe that's what it is. So maybe I actually am completely full of shit and it's completely the other way when I would actually be on the quarter field. But no, because when we play, I'm like crazy. So speaking of out of, out of control though. What's so that? That? Your elbow. Like a step on it, like I don't like when you're not like. Here's my thought: when you're not, and he's been begging me this whole time to come out and play some ball. Like I'm always scared because while you're still, when you retire, it'll be easier. Okay, like yeah. When you're acting, I'm like fuck. What if I get weird and like, like uh, then it's like on like then people actually found out the real story. It'd be like really fucked up. Like right. I'm, I'm always scared. like I invite jet players over and we hang and like sometimes I'm like fuck. I better be careful here because I actually yeah. care. That I'm, I'm gonna be taking HGH and testosterone at that time too. In, so in, per in perpetuity, I'm gonna have rage fits and just. Go after you. Let's jump to it because I don't want it to get away from us. 
Let's talk about some of the things you've been talking about. Sure. Some of the things you're passionate about because I think it's uncomfortably important mm-hmm. and I think you've, you're building momentum. Just like I think about so many people that have brought so much value, whether it's Kurt Flood or Jackie Robinson you know, with color barriers or just all these things. You know, watching some of the stuff Kyle Korver's talking about. Yeah. I'm just, I'm really excited about what I believe you and a couple others have started the momentum conversation. For a lot of people that don't even know where I'm going, Set it up for me and give me the context, tell me the backstory. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, everything that uh, you're alluding to is mental health related. Uh, I've dealt with uh, not only panic attacks, but anxiety and, and depression my entire life. It's just something that I've always, always dealt with. I suffered silently until I was what, 29 years old. I had an in-game panic attack against the Atlanta Hawks on November 5th. Um, it was a scary moment. A lot of, a lot of been going just devastatingly wrong in my life and that last pillar to fall was basketball. We that were, was always your safe place. It was always my safe place. Makes sense. It was a place, uh, it's escapism. Everybody's yeah. looking for their escape. My work is mine too. Exactly. You work and, and you know, for some people it can be whatever their vice is. It could be drugs and alcohol. That's right. It can be, you know, exhausting their body like yep. Robin Williams, that was it for him. Yep. Um, yeah, with Kate Spade who ended up taking yep. her life, That it was, it was her work. Yep. Um, you know, it was everything that she stood for and her image. Yep. And that was a big reason that uh, she ended up, you know, not coming out and saying what she had dealt with because she was afraid what it was going to do for her brand and her yep. image. But so I had an in-game panic attack. It was a really scary moment for me. I've talked at length about it where I actually thought I was having cardiac arrest. And I was, I was, you know, looking for something that wasn't there. I'd always had places to go. Like, I wasn't kidding about the rage fits. Like, I know I said testosterone and all that shit yeah. when I'm done playing. But when I was young... That's how it manifested because I, I, I didn't really know how I was feeling. I didn't know. I knew what the, the depression was more so. Like I wouldn't come out of bed for two weeks. I would really? play my basketball really? and I would go into my room. And my, like my brother would say, uh, it was funny, a, a couple of weeks after I had written the uh, Players Tribune yeah. article and, and discussed that everybody's yeah. going through something, uh, he was like, oh, yeah, we would just, we would just wait for you to be, be Kevin again. But straight up two weeks. Oh, yeah. Like no, I, I had had moments where it had been um, – there's little triggers here and there where I've developed a new relationship with with both my anxiety and depression, but it was uh it w- it could last months at a time. It could last months at a time. So I dealt with that. That's one thing. If it's overlaying, it's another thing. If you're like physically locking yourself in a room for two weeks. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, so I, w- I would go in there. I think and- everybody here is walking on Earth yeah. with pressures. Sure. Anxieties, concerns, doubts. Yeah, and it's you find whole, ways to hide it. Like my best friends didn't even know. Like I would I would hide. But how do they not know, I, Kevin? A two week. Like, that's where I'm actually going. Like, how would a best friend not know that you're locked up in two weeks? Or are you saying every moment I had that I didn't have to go to school or practice, sure. I just run to the room? Or are you saying two weeks I'm out and like I may pretend I was sick? Basically. Yeah, I mean, there were times where I either wouldn't go to school or, um, you know, in class I would just be like super quiet. And everybody has their moments with their friends, their girlfriends at that time. There's nothing like, you know, young love, that sort of thing. But no, this was. You seem super young in love these days. Oh yeah. On the gram. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm chasing that a little bit. No, it's fine. Yeah, so, oh no, I'm saying no. So when I was young, I just. um, I just love it. Yeah, you know. It makes me smile. It's good. I appreciate it. Really romantic shit, to be honest. You know. When you travel, so I think K loves Instagram. Hey, but we're probably the most romantic gram right now uh, that I follow. Is it no, what, you talking about me, me, and, me and Kate, or me, uh, no, my, do, you my and dog? Yourself. Yes, you my and, dog. No, I know, I know. But like, my fucking I, puppy is Everybody legit. knows I'm not the biggest fan of dogs. Like, that's a whole meme in itself. Okay. No, no, you and that's Kate, another podcast. Yeah, that's a whole fuck. I just yeah. got drilled right now in the live stream. But go ahead. No, so yes, you and Kate, you guys are like, it's super cute. Yeah, 
it's it's good for my mental health. I believe it. No, it really is. I believe the, uh, it. And the traveling and the wine. And yes. <laughs> but no, I think, uh, no, it came to a point where I was just, I was done suffering silently. Good for you. I mean, I had such terrible bouts of depression. Missed, I missed the Hawks game. Like, was it, I, now <coughs> I'm starting to remember like subtle things, but I don't, I can't drill it. Like, Everybody knew, like what happened? Nobody knew. Nobody. That's what, that, so that was, that's the craziest part. So yeah, let me back up. So what do you do, you, you asked out of the game? Yeah, so it was after halftime and we were down, we were losing to the Hawks and I mean, let's just call that it what it is, the, the Hawks, probably, except the Hawks were very itself, good. Now I understand what so you're So we were like, we were like three and nine at the time. I mean, you can look it up. That yeah, was, I remember, you know, I maybe remember I, uh, yep. it was really, really not great. And so basketball was the last and pillar to fall. were you manifesting fall. it on yourself? Oh yeah, for like, sure. I'm, I'm my worst three and nine. Yeah, my self-talk was so terrible. It's me. Yeah. It's me and yeah. everything is going wrong and I have no escape now. I'm supposed to be this guy for this team. Yeah. Like I'm the variable. The craziest part about it was, uh, sense to be from I, was uh, I was an all-star there. I was named to the all-star team. I know who you are. So. <laughs> no, um, really. I remember, like actually, I, I want to throw out a compliment real quick because I just fucking thought of it right now. I Back to like my life got real busy. The Knicks have not necessarily been so exciting and unlike the Jets on Sundays, it's been hard for me to follow the Knicks the last 25 years the way yeah. I want to. Now I've gotten to a place where I can afford Well, this it. summer didn't help either. No. Dude, I'm on so tilt, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> I've got a screenshot right now of me FaceTiming with KD. I don't know if I've ever recruited anything harder. I feel, KD, I'm so sorry for the last month of what I put you through. I know everybody put you through shit, but I fucking brought it. I gave it my whole heart. Um, I remember you fucking went crazy early on in your career in Minnesota yeah. against the Knicks in one rant. I wasn't catching a lot of games, but that's- 31 think, and 31, yeah, yes. that was at home, yeah. I will. I was like, and because I saw you as a kid, like in that game, it was just like, it just, I was like, holy fuck, this guy's real, real, real good. Yeah. Like I was like, whoa, this guy's way better than I thought. Like you fucking went crazy. And hit like a late, was it a game winner in that one or like super late three? Yeah, so I, I think I had 28 points and uh, 31 rebounds at the time. I hit a three and that put us ahead. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Anyway, that was like literally a standout game for me all time. Yeah. Like one of the more uncomfortably good performances I've watched. <laughs> or against, yeah. I guess when you, it's all relative when you're talking Dude, about the Knicks. 31 and 31 is fucking, no, fuck. Against that's what's amazing team, yeah, about but the it just happened to be Do your it against team. a team that's like the Sixers from four years ago, 31 and 31 is uncomfortable. Yeah. How many fucking people have ever gone 31 and 31? I bet you it's less than 10. I think before that it was uh, Moses Malone. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, nonetheless, it happened. Halftime. Yeah, it happened. I suck shit. Fuck this. Oh, and then and then it becomes the cycle, right? Like, yeah. oh fuck, is this going to happen to the one place that I've been able to protect? Which yeah. made right. So that's why I go back to the rage fits. Like when I was when <sighs> I was young, that's how it used to manifest. And then I had nowhere. I always had somewhere to go. Like I go to my room, or I'd go and you You're know to go back break the video game system yeah. or something like that. Yeah. You know? So uh, no, I went. I, I just was like, I have nowhere to go. There's twenty three thousand people watching, and that even made it worse. So my heart is Millions speeding up, TV. and I'm thinking I'm having. Like a cardiac arrest, like and my whole body so shutting down. So you go to down. a trainer. So I go to my, I run. I'm running around the locker room. Nobody's there. I, I go straight to my uh, my head trainer, Steven Spiro's office. I just fall on the ground. I pass out. Out. Like I'm gasping for. I'm sticking my my hand literally down my throat. Like I'm thinking like something's dislodged in there. I'm yeah. trying to get something out. And I, I I mean it was like a full on, fucking panic. I'm gonna die. I don't know what's happening. Full sweats from the game. And this is it. This is the moment. So I ended up going to the, uh, you know, they, they got me back, they had me on oxygen, they sent me to uh, the Cleveland Clinic, 
to run some tests, everything checked out. And then at that point I was just kind of like, well, what the fuck just happened? And you knew. Yeah. Well, I, I had an idea. So sure. that, that, uh, I forget what day the game was on, but that was, uh, right before the first time I was like, okay, I, I'm going to see a therapist. Good for you. And when did it, when from there did you write the article? Not until Feb, uh, March. Because, yes, course, I, I, yeah, there was still so much going on. I tried to, to hide it for so long. Of yeah, course. I had to go through my process. So then. How many people, I apologize because I'm looking at time. I know you guys have a hard stop, so I'm going off of that. Like, how many people reached out to you privately after that article? That, forget about fans. Which I, I didn't know what to expect because my agent was like, all right, so you're, everybody, this is going to be big. I said, maybe, you know, like, but I'm, I'm tired of suffering silently. Like, this I want to play all me. my cards. Yeah. And fast forward to now, like I'm so much more comfortable in my own skin. Just I'm like, this is just what you get. And like, you know, I heard you talk about the other day, like what, who, what's your North Star? Like happiness is my North Star. But that's ambiguous for everybody. It's, it's not defined as a one size fits all model. That's right. Like so I'm, I'm, I'm that's chasing. That's actually the number one thing I'm pounding at scale on Instagram while yeah. I have the youth's attention. Like money can't be it. No. Because it actually isn't for almost everybody. No, it isn't. And, and everybody thinks it I, is. I'm not saying that money, like money is a, listen. A great enabler of things. And a, and a great currency, sure. Yes. But it's not the only currency that matters. For us Correct. now, like it's, it's time. How much time do you have? It's like elasticity, like between 100%. money and time. Like time is our biggest commodity. 100%. And so I, that's how I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you, you laughed about my Instagram. It's like, how am I trying to spend my time? And so I'm trying so much more now to just, I'm pressing send on shit. I'm like, I don't care what people think of this. Way, I'm trying to clarity, spend positivity. I'm not laughing. It really makes me happy on some real you see shit. See what I mean? Like, like if people like, are like, oh shit, I might need to lot, get out there and, and travel. by the way, just when everybody looks, there's a lot of attractive people hanging out with each other on Instagram. It just is obvious to me that it's happy. You know, it like, like that's it's what not, it hits me. And maybe that's because I know a little bit about it. Like, I don't yeah. know why, but I'm not joking. I'm not just like. It's authenticity. Like, it it took me right so to me. long to feel all the way there. So and I'm, I'm, I feel so like good. I'm getting there. But how many, it, how many superstars, athletes, celebrities pinged you privately after the article? I mean, the, the number of, it was probably, I think we got like 8,500 emails within the first three days. And I was, I was saying, I was like, all right, you guys have to email me here so that I can try and get back to and respond to everybody. And then the number just became okay. so outrageous. And, uh, in, you know, entertainers and, and athletes and musicians, it was, I mean, crazy. In the hundreds, four or 500. That's great. But mostly it was, uh, I would say, the, the large number, why it became into the, the you know, triple digits was because it was athletes. And even Adam Silver has, has said, every level, has said now. Tired, seven-year-olds. Oh, yeah. Nine. A lot of football it. players too. Um, listen, I'll be honest. They're getting that, getting hit in the head. A lot of football players, and and even if they're not there yet, they're right, you know you start becoming scared of it. Yeah, like it's listen. Well, guys brother, are retiring now. Well, Twenty five. AJ Derek Morgan. Exactly. I don't know if you saw what he wrote. Like the proudest thing that has happened in my world that I haven't said out loud is we signed Derek Morgan to Vayner Sports. Yeah. Made him more money off the field and all the things that Vayner Sports brings to football players, and we didn't make a penny. And we knew we weren't gonna make a penny because it was highly, because we knew he was too thoughtful yes. and worried about it, that he would sign another contract. So we worked with him for two years and the NFL, whoever does the contract, gets the dollars, not whoever's the current sure. agent. And it makes me smile every day. And it makes Amazing. me smile because I'm happy for him. Yeah. Because if we were putting pressure on him to sign one more deal sure. to make us ROI positive, but he took one or two more hits than he wanted to, fuck if it would have actually done something, the percep perception's fucking reality. And when stuff starts getting in your head that way, yeah, I mean, like, 
I truly believe too. Like you, you get what you give. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Like, that's why I think I'm settled in too now because I'm, I think as an athlete, you're burning it at both ends so fast and so quickly, some longer than others, depending on, you know, we could have a whole talk about longevity as well, right? But, you know, it comes at you fast. I'm headed into my 12th season. I was just talking about how Tony Parker and I was putting 55 on us. I was playing KG and Dirk and all those guys. But I now feel like I have a higher purpose and you know and I can affect you, the masses. It just makes me. Does that make you want to also play a year or two more? Because the platform is oh for more sure, juice? for sure makes sense. But yeah, post post basketball, I feel like I'm I'm doing a good job of laying the groundwork to. Who did to, you stumble across in Minnesota, whether on your team or somewhere else, that all of a sudden in the last two or three years you're like, wait a minute, I'm old now, like in that funny way that we talk sure. to each other, and you're like, wait a minute. My second year, that fucking old dude that I, now I understand yeah. why he like threw the water at thing or why he was in the corner yeah. yelling at that. Like, wait a minute, that was, fuck, I'm gonna do that. Do you right. have anything like that? No, I, I mean, yes, yeah, so there's, uh, there's, I should write a book. I mean, it's like uh, Colin Sexton, he's he's 19 years old. I'm sitting there. The <laughs> amount of Colin Sexton rookie cards my, my son and I are picking up right now because we think he's sneaky underrated. He's sneaky underrated and he's here. He's here. He was at Basketball City this morning talking think, to the kids. I'm like, dude, you're underrated. you're five, eight years older than these guys. You're five years older than these guys. He's like, hey, kids. You're like, yeah, yeah. You're he's like, let me tell you what I've like, learned like, in my yeah. career. Yeah, you're like, sit down. I'm like, I'm gonna, yeah. yeah, he texts me. He's like, you were here. I was like, bro, you're talking to these kids. You're the fucking kid. Yeah, like you just you're it. one yeah, like a year removed. No, but he's uh, seems like a good kid. Too. Yeah, but that's the craziest part about it. Like he's so young he doesn't even like he's a lot of untapped potential sneaky underrated as you said but he's just so young and then you look at guys like Dirk retiring this year or or <laughs> Vince Carter he's still going he's never retiring you know that right yeah, he's right. no no it's in perpetuity yeah I'm surprised the Knicks didn't sign him <laughs> are you starting to razz no or you're just I mean the Knicks <laughs> I'm not even gonna go here by the way on the record I think the Knicks are blackballed on the record I'm pretty convinced Intuitively, there's no better place to play. No, by the way, but 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 this off season was deeply uncomfortable from the way I think about the world, like that like the real world is gray, not black and white. Sure, I'm I'm in a very scary place of fear. I never <laughs> fear. Like even when the Jets and Knicks have been at their worst, there's no math that makes sense that they didn't get any of the players, which makes me go into deep conspiracy theory the Oakley thing, top 50 players got into a weird dinner, decided, and we're done. That's literally what I believe. Wow. I hope it's not true, <laughs> but I, nothing makes sense. Like, you can't be in that spot where the Clippers and the Nets get their, like, they had all the leverage, all the math. Anyway, I don't even want to get depressed. Yeah. Like, on that, in sports depression, to put in context of the well, truth. people live Let's vicariously do a call. Let's through. do a call. I knew I was going to fuck this up. <laughs> Let's definitely do a call. Kevin, what, what is your favorite sports team? Favorite sports your team? Your personal, like your team that you root for the most. So I grew if up. If anybody. I mean, I grew up watching, it's funny, I was like, I was a Niners fan because I was, yeah. I grew up, perfect time to be, yeah, and also it was right there in the, within the Northwest. I grew yeah. up in Portland, Oregon. And then I was a Mariners guy because they had, you know, Griffey yeah. and. Each Yeah, all, everybody. They've been yeah. good for, for so long. All those teams. Yeah, Jay Buhner. I mean, I used to play Jay Ken Griffey fucking, Jr. baseball the way, and hit the, the cheat Buhner, code and just knock that shit out Ken every time. The Ken Phelps trade that the Yankees made is all-time bad. All-time. All-time. Buhner was the man, too. Dude, Jay Buhner, and he like had that look before that look existed. Yeah. They were bashing. Yeah. He was a beast. He was a beast. They, they like, 
So okay. is Edgar Rod too. King. Edgar, they just got dude, inducted, dude, what, yesterday? Edgar's actually the only person that knew how to hit Mariano Rivera ever. Yeah. Like literally so has the best the data against him. Nobody can hit the cutter. Nobody. You got something? Max. Max. Yeah, how's it going? Mad Good. Max. It's Gary Vaynerchuk and Kevin Love. How are you? Good, how are you? We are well. What's your question? My question was... Kevin, wait, Max, <laughs> admit, um, Max, real quick. Admit right now yeah. that you are stunned that you actually got called and now you're baffled <laughs> and you have to come up with a question on the spot. I'm actually, you know what? I knew you were going to ask this question because I watch a ton of your stuff. So I knew you were going to ask this question and I knew it was going to come up. But I'm actually kind of not. Good, so go. watching the comment section. Yep. I knew that... I was engaging with the people in the comments enough. Is this a question? No, no, he's making a profound <laughs> statement of how he tricked Andy to call him. Good shit, Max. Now, what's the question? Yeah, Max, he, he liked the uh, concept you went with. So, yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, no, my question was from like a management perspective, because I manage a lot of different music artists, so it's a little bit out of the realm, but... I was wondering, I wanted to get your input on what is the most effective way to deal with and market talent to get it out to the widest audience base. Got it. So I'll jump in real quick and then have you got anything to add, that'd be fun. Um, the deal with part is impossible because they're fucking artists, which means they act like idiots often, right? And what you need to remember but what you need to remember is not to be a dick because they have talent and you don't and that's why you decided to manage them. Make sense? Like exactly. pe people are always trying to like get artists to be like on time. That's not what they do. They fucking write great songs. They create great beats. They perform on stage. Like that's, so like I'm always laughing at my manager friends. They're like, yo Gary, yo, can you just talk to this kid? I'm like, dude, you love this kid because he fucking dyed his hair purple and fucking on one <laughs> minute of sleep can go out in front of 40,000 people at Rolling Loud and fucking slay it, not because he shows up on time for a meeting with me, dick, right? So, exactly. I, think, so I think you need to fucking own what, what you decided to do for a living and understand you gotta take the good with the bad. That's how you deal with it. You don't dwell on what they suck at. You fucking focus on what they're phenomenal at. As far as getting them out there, it's called fucking SoundCloud and Instagram and YouTube and I spit it 40 times a day, all the time, put fucking music out. The end. The same advice well, that's I- That's what I'm thinking, is it just a pure content play? Yes, you're in the content business. Every fucking artist ever sucked until they put a banger out. Exactly. Like, everybody sucked until they put out a song that made them not suck. Alanis Morissette, nobody knew, killed it. You understand? It's as simple as that. And now that you've SoundCloud and fucking Spotify and YouTube, there's no more A&Rs and fucking MTV and fuck the labels. It's like, no fucking excuses. Get in studio, make a song, put it out, DM a thousand influencers, hope somebody shares it, fucking then let the market decide. Like, I know everybody gets mad at me for saying like the same advice. It's the right advice. It's like how you yeah, get into better yeah. shape. Exercise and eating right. Sorry, sorry that's what it I mean, is. Would you, would you, 
do the same thing as like with a clothing brand with the musical artists as far as influencers go like would you pay an influencer yes. to yes yes but but okay. you, everything needs exposure so gotcha. either you know either you're so great that sports illustrated puts you in it and you get exposure or or not and like yes i would pay but you also need to be good everything comes back down to merit like i understand how to try to become a basketball player, which is like work on all these skills, but if I wasn't physically inclined to have it, it would mean that I'd be a good AA, I'd be a good like pickup basketball player. And that's what I tell people about clothing brands. Like yes, you should overpay, you should pay influencers to rock your shit, but if your shit's whack, or if you overpaid the influencer, your skills in it weren't good enough. So like it's not a one size fits all advice, it's be great at influencer marketing. There's a reason that VaynerMedia does the work for Fila and Fila did get rebooted because we're the best in the fucking world at what we do. There's a reason that everybody wants to say they have a fashion brand as an entrepreneur on Instagram because they printed a thousand t-shirts but being a successful fashion brand versus printing nine t-shirts and calling yourself a brand because you came up with a funny sentence, those are two very (laughs) different things. And there's a lot of fuckers on Instagram with funny sentence t-shirt companies. Yeah. Execution, bro. I'm in, well, thank you and I You're appreciate welcome. the time. You got it, bro. How do you think about fashion? You like it? I see you wearing your fucking Stone Cold t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, like, I rocked this today. This is my... Fucking, uh, yeah, I see yeah, what sorry you're doing. about that. That's right. Um, how do you think about it? You like it? Yeah, I love fashion. And plus, uh, I mean, it's it's become a huge thing in, in, in basketball, especially oh. when come playoff time. I mean, especially guys, guys are Especially homeboy from college. I mean, he's yeah, fucking. He's created he's his. Making, I think Russ is just making shit. I feel like he's sometimes trolling the game. Like, he loves fashion, but some of this shit, I'm like, you know what? For sure. He's but just he like, knows you know it's what? gonna get of eyes. Course. It's just like you said. It's gonna create content arbitra- and everybody's oh. gonna, he, everybody is gonna Love. send him so much stuff to try can, to influence their bro, brand. I cannot And it's wait. become a runway. And it's oh, become a business. He's great at it. Yeah, he's, he's really, really good at it. And oh my God, the, can you imagine what between PJ oh. Tucker, Hello? Russ, yeah. and yeah. James Harden, what that's going to be, be like? Yeah. Hey, Gary V. How's it going, guys? Good, man. Say what's up to K-Love. Hey, Kevin. What's good, buddy? Hey, actually, uh, my question is, um, I, I heard you talking about you know, being depression and having anxiety attacks and stuff. So my question to you is that how to stay strong and like stay focused on your goals while you're going through that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's super, I mean, that's probably the toughest part because a lot of the time, I mean, for me it was basically having blinders on and not seeing the effect I was having, uh, not only on myself, but other people. And I also read like a cheap novel, like everybody knows mm-hmm. when I'm really going through it. But I would I always say, you know, if, for me, it was chasing basketball. It was chasing my vice. It was chasing what I love. And I always feel like if you chase what you love, everything you love will chase you right back, everything you want out of this life. But, you know, you, you have to find ways to manage it, especially, um, you know, at your worst times. And a lot of people can't afford a therapist. They can't afford... Um, you know, going to see someone and paying for that. So you have to find tools, whether it be meditation, whether it be exercising, getting that 
uh, you know, endorphin release, uh, you know, finding ways to deal with your serotonin levels, whether it be medication. I've noticed a lot of kids hitting me up about eating. Like eating behavior has changed By a way, lot. Eating, eating changes everything. I just yeah, read it. Sanan wants me to like, like him and his dad, who's like some crazy Turkish like genius. Yeah, we're about to like. I'm about to go there, Sanan. I'm getting. So, I'm. I told you in the back of the card. I'm ready. Take all my blood. Like I'm ready. I'm about to fucking change but my it, shit up. You can change. You can change your life. Like your relationship with your body. I feel like is is so so key. I mean, I know that I've no makes some. But uh, yeah, I've lost so much weight. I've kept the inflammation down in my body. I think chronic uh, inflammation, like I've seen it in my father. I've seen it in a ton of people. I've seen it in retired athletes. I've seen it in, we mentioned football players, whether they're retired or not. Like when you feel like shit getting out of bed every day in the morning, you're like, this day's going to suck. This day's going to be terrible. Pain's bad. Yeah, pain Mental management. Or physical. Well, that's what, it, <laughs> exactly. Uh -huh. But, um, you know, I would just say, yeah, finding different ways ways to manage it and finding different ways to change the relationship with whether it be your anxiety, depression, or any any phase of mental illness. Uh, I'm a type of person that medication has worked for me. Um, has? Yes. Keep going. You know, cognitive behavioral just, therapy yeah, has, has worked for me as well. Uh, and, it, you know, science and data has showed that, you know, that can actually prove to be more beneficial over time than meds. So, but, you know, getting back to the therapist part for a sec, this can be a friend this can be, you know, listening to your podcast, finding ways to, to deal with other shit, deal with business, deal with anything that you're into. Um, you know, it could be a family member. It can be, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, a parent of, of, you know, one of your, your kid's friends. You know, it can be anybody of, within know, arm's this distance. A, this is a place where I tread very lightly because I like talking about shit I know. Yeah. And so take it for what it's worth, Gavin. I think one thing that I've seen a ton of messages from is finding somebody who's a little bit further away from your inner circle so it doesn't affect that dynamic has been really fascinating how yeah. many people have pinged I've me I never thought that. of that before. You know, like when it's your yeah. mom or your brother, over time, that can ch create something within that dynamic and having the luxury of it being a little, uh, you know, if you think about a therapist- A being step removed. Or three steps removed. Sure. Like friend of friend or acquaintance. It's been really well, interesting. And maybe that person will, it comes from an unbiased point of view. Yeah, it's not going to ruin it's your not relationship. Weighted, right? You're talking to your mom. Exactly. She's thinking about your dad. Yep. She's like, there's just so many other variables. Yeah. That's what, and, you know, that's why the therapist so far removed has such value. You know, <laughs> they'll, they'll probably catch something that you have. Back to your point, not seen. being able to afford it. How does it, you know, sometimes a, one kid wrote me this manifest. I love reading my comments. It's how mm -hmm. I learned so much insights that I'm not going through. This kid talked about something of me talking about like not overjudging yourself. It led him to another thing. Then he read something about something else. What it led to was it being a teacher in his school that he doesn't even has as a teacher. Sure. Like, you know, he found it as a remove thing. Like it really worked for yeah. him. And I was like, ooh, that's, you know, when you think about the DNA of a teacher, well, they want to help right. a lot of them. Yeah. My counselor in high school, when I told her that I wanted to go to North Carolina or UCLA, these places, she was like, uh, your GPA doesn't indicate. I was goes, no, no, no. I'm gonna go to UCLA, then I'm gonna go, you know, do Were you this. like, hey, I was I like, I dropped 30 a fucking game. Do you understand how this actually works? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was just like, you know, to the point. Like, there's, there's, you know, we talked about the the parenting, and yep. and you know, some of them are just fucking setting yeah. their kids up for failure. It's like practical but, optimism is amazing, yes. and everything else sucks. Pessimism yeah. sucks. Delusion sucks. But instead of just saying that, why don't you say, okay, now show me the tools, show me the way in order to get to that point. Gab, do you what do your, I need to do chase? You beat yourself up. Like, if I ask you that question, how do you go with that? I'm sorry, what was that again? I said, if I ask you, do you beat yourself up, right? Like something happens and you're the one beating yourself up, is that like part of your framework? Yes, 
I, I definitely do that. I would say like sometimes I just get really, I definitely beat myself up for sure. I've just been spending so much time like with myself. This is why nobody's really seen any content about it. Because again, because of what's going on with me, I want to be very careful to stay in my lane and not overstep. But it's just, you know, I got nothing else to say other than man, I just want to say one thing. I got so much love for you. Please understand that the voice that beats yourself up, I genuinely believe this. I really don't think it's your voice. I think no. it's a voice that's been input. Yep. And I think once you understand that, it liberates you when you start realizing you're not the person booing yourself. And if you can figure that part out, if that could start the part of a thesis or something that you discover, I think it could be liberating in a way that you can't believe what that will do for you, bro. Yeah, and to know that you're not alone too. Like I, uh, you know, I think it's predisposition. Like we're all taught early on when we start speaking and start uh, you know, absorbing what our parents are saying or, or the people around us are saying, we, we are kind of taught how to think yeah, and that voice in your head, that narrative that me can really fuck you up. Real quick. Really quick. So until you Absolutely. start doing that, doing that work and then continue, because you can have, it's like uh, related to basketball, you can have a great game and that feeling only lasts for 24 to 48 hours. Whereas you have a terrible game, it's a national TV game and you feel like you're set up for failure, that's gonna last, that could last for two weeks. That's just how, that's how negative thoughts are. And I'm also trying to think about how to turn that into positive because like one of the things that's really interesting about me is I do not smell roses. So like, like, like back to the Yankees and the, and the Rangers, I dropped them the, the second after the championship. Like, you know, like I'm trying to think about why I talk about process a lot of times mm -hmm. is like, like to your point, the, nas the national televised game, like it's not that I dwell about it. I don't know, there's something I've been thinking a lot about lately which is like with everything that's going on with me, I talk a lot about not hearing the booze, I don't give a fuck what you think, but it goes both ways. I also don't hear the accolades. Like so many people as my notoriety and awareness grows and things that are going on with me, they're always like, man, you're so humble. And every time I hear somebody say that, I say it's because I can't hear your booze. That is literally what happens. When somebody, you know, because they don't expect it, especially the way I am on video and on stage, they get confused by like the humility when they actually get to know me. Sure. And I'm like, and it's so funny how intuitive I feel that's completely laddered to me not hearing people that shit on me. Like I don't get high <laughs> when they cheer, and I don't get like no, low. We say in the NBA, fail quickly, quickly, but it's also having success quickly as well. Like as the I human. I appreciate it, Gab. I wish you well, bro. Really, thanks for calling. Awesome. Thank, thank You're you. You're welcome. Guys. Thank you. Have a good yeah, one. we got. Kev, one of my favorite things in the world of sports that maps to life is when the home team boos the home team after the road team went on an 11-0 run, and you call a timeout. And I've been thinking about this for two years. I don't know what it is about that singular moment in all the sports I watch. You know, like I love box. One of my favorite fighters of all time just passed away, got hit by a car. You know, Sweepy wow. Whitaker. You know, Pernell Whitaker. I don't know if you know that name. And I loved him for defense. He was Mayweather before Mayweather mm -hmm. in defense. And I'm a counter puncher as a businessman. Right. So I associate with him. Yeah. And Floyd. I would be like the Tyson Fury. I get uh, it. He's uh, <laughs> so charismatic. He's the best. the best. And he has a great story too. Amazing. He should be on here he, if he hasn't I'd been like already. I'd like to get him on here. Um, uh, Tyson, if you're listening, hit me up. Uh, I don't know what it is about the home team letting the road team go on 11-0 run, timeout, and the whole fucking place, every, everywhere, even like the best teams. Like, by the way, ironically, back to a meta story, I went to the Knicks-Cavs opener when LeBron came back. Ugh. Yeah, best. I was so <laughs> pumped. So being in that game, yeah. right, obviously. Mellow hit that yeah, yeah. left wing, yes. mid-range, So like, yeah. you know, even like Step off back. all the fucking accolades and bronze back in that game, it's the first game back. Yeah. Everyone's in euphoria 
Knicks go on like a 7-0 run, timeout, boo. Yep. And I sit there and I'm like, there is something about this home, back to how I think about life. It's fragile, it's what have you done for me lately. That's it's, it's like. It also makes me want people to think about life that way, which is like, you could have a shitty three years and it's still just a second quarter. Yeah. Life just went on a 7-0 run on you. Like, what's the score at triple zero? Right. I, I don't know, there's, I mean, Bulls who I hate with all my heart, some of those road Nick games that I went to back in the day, like four fucking, cha- three, six championships they give these fuckers, down 13-0 to start the game, boo. And I'm like, fuck. And there's something about like how I think about that. How I think, you know, watching Wimbledon the other day. Joker. Unbelievable. Like nothing, Joker's by far my favorite tennis player, by far. So I'm in this bar as the match is in the fifth set and the whole bar is going nuts for Federer. Federer, of course. And Joker, and I'm sitting there watching, rooting for Joker quietly, because I'm with the fam and I'm trying not to make attention, like I'm trying to stay private. And Joker, that nine minute game where Federer almost came back from 40 Love, Joker breaks through and wins it, and I go nuts. Yeah, two and the whole bar looks at me, through. the whole bar looks at me. And then like two guys laughed and they came up to me like, you're not really rooting for Joker, you're just doing that. Like literally verbatim asked me if I just did that for show, I was like, I'm rooting for fucking Joker. And, and, there's, and Joker, I think at his best, is when he takes on the role of the villain. Right, there's, but he's trying to embrace, he wants to be yeah, well-liked. Of course, because he got fucking fuck-faced Nadal and Federer loved so much, sure, there's no way sure, you're gonna win that game. There's no way, you're he, never gonna win that. He is gonna win that game, I'll tell you when. When he's old. When they're gone, sure. he's the old man. Because they feel like the hundred percent. Yeah. It's the same way I feel about like Kobe. I hated him my whole career, like his whole career, until when I felt he lost a little bit of a step. Sure. I'm like, okay, now I want him to like, you know, like it's what America does, rise, crash, right, yeah. you know? So, and I'm all underdog, but like the face he made, like th- nothing speaks to me more than Joker's face when he fucking is in that match. The whole world, fuck the audience at Wimbledon, is rooting against him. And he looks at everybody and says, fuck yeah. you. I love that. I, th- I agree that he has to take on that villain role. I watch I think him. that could get, I, I mean, it potentially could get him the most majors ever. I, I fully believe it. Yeah. And it's not naturally Because what happens is. when those two guys are out? Watching He's gonna absolutely him, take over the sport. When he absorbs it and yeah. takes it on, he, you know what the breakthrough of his career from my perspective was, was at the US Open, I don't know if you know this reference, where he was in deep shit. It was over, Federer was serving for the match and he returned this one forehand, which was like such a <coughs> fuck you forehand that it kind of fucked everyone's psyche, yeah. the announcers, the stadium, and ultimately Federer in my opinion, and he came all the way back and yep. won. And that's what I was like, Dude. I do remember that. I actually watch a lot of tennis. <sighs> I was. I'm not. I'm not the, the Knicks biggest fan. When the Cavs last year, and we became friendly, and it was like a tight little game, and like, like just like watching you down in the last two minutes, and we were having a little banter, and you're like, like the Knicks came back and like tied or something, and it, you looked at me and said, "No, don't worry, this is yeah. they're not going to win." No. I was so pumped. I still hated you. Yeah. Like I was like, "Fuck you, dude." But like, but like, I loved it because that's exactly what I live for. That. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to take that negativity and turn it into that versus what Gavin's talking, like I will probably spend my whole life trying to figure out how to communicate around the whole world wants to take a shit on you and you take that and make it a positive is obviously a foundation of self-esteem, lack of insecurity, many other things, 
I gotta figure it out because somewhere in there, and it, I think it's a very fine line. Yeah. That to me is the fucking game. But that also requires when everybody tells you you're awesome, to know it but not fully embrace it because yeah. then you're fully embracing the booze too. Right. I think a lot of kids that are getting delusional with their parents or getting a lot of success early are stuck late. That's why school fucks people up. You're a straight A student and you think that's life and then life kicks in and life laughs. Right. Well, there's no diversity. It's one system. Yeah. Life will throw you that, that cutter. And, and somehow Edgar understood it but nobody else did. Yeah. Can no, I, I get it. Thanks I for being on the show, bro. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed. And more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. <laughs> Have a great day.